This is Jeremy Beasley. You're listening to H10, Hanshin Tigers, English News. Thanks, Jeremy. We are back with a special episode for you, fellow Hanshin Tigers fan. Today is episode 173, and we are recording this right on the heels of 172 because the day before, I believe it was, no, the day of that recording, I and Sanjay and I both, this is T-Ray, by the way, got to sit down with our number 99, Jeremy Beasley, for an awesome two-on-one interview. Ain't that right, Sanjay? Woohoo! He was awesome. It was really cool, and we are excited to share that with you. So basically, that is um, what we're doing in episode 173. We are going to play the interview with Jeremy Beasley. So stick around because it's coming up real soon here. Okay, so before we get into the actual interview, I want to introduce Jeremy Beasley to everybody in case you're not sure who he is. So Jeremy Lonnie Beasley was born in November of 1995. And he was drafted out of the out of Clemson University, which is in Georgia, if I'm not mistaken. Um, he is from Georgia, and um, he signed with the LA Angels at the time. He never really made it into their system all that well, but he moved on to the Arizona Diamondbacks in 2020. And then from there, he went on to the Toronto Blue Jays, where I guess that's where he spent the bulk of his major league career or his his playing career, right, Sanjay? Yep, that's right. And then uh, after that, he was traded to the Pirates towards the end of 2022. And then he was designated on the 15th of November. And about a month later, the Hunching Tigers signed him. And so we talked to him a little bit. Actually, I should even just clarify that a bit. He just came out with this, man. We didn't really even, I wanted to ask him like, hey, how did, how did the signing play out? And he just kind of like, he just shared. So it was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the long and short with De- Jeremy Beasley. And uh, we've got just a little bit of numbers for you, just so you know. Well, he is a relief pitcher. Um, he started games earlier in his career, but his last, well, I guess he even started in 2022, 23 down in the Dominican Winter Leagues. No, my bad. He last started for Buffalo, though, AAA for Toronto. But the most, the bulk of his career, he's played 108 games in the minors, and 50 of them were starts. So more of them were relief than anything. But Sanjay, as you can see, he averaged more than 1K per inning during his minor league career. He's got some stuff. Indeed, he does. And we talked a bit about that. And we'll wait until we hear from him before we comment on anything else. But it's pretty interesting stuff. So he actually got a little bit of cup of coffee in the majors, um, a total of 18 games. None of them were starts. And he finished 12 of those games, which means he was probably bought, brought up in low leverage situations more often than not because he has zero career saves. Um, and his ERA um, on in the majors was 5.84, so not outstanding. But you know, most of the guys that come over to Japan, it's not that they're not good. It's that they don't get that full opportunity to develop in the major leagues or to prove themselves. And they come over here. And a lot of times they're successful here more than we might expect just by looking at the numbers. And we tend to um, give them the leverage they need to go back and be successful in major league baseball again. 
Well, especially we Hanshin Tigers do, right? I mean, we look exactly. at the San Diego Padres, you know, pitching staff. And exactly. uh, they're all ex Tigers. And might I point <laughs> out that it that um Jeremy Beasley went to Clemson University, the Clemson Tigers. So this was destiny. There you go. He went from Tiger to Tiger eventually. And you'll hear in this conversation just how stoked he is to be a Tiger right now. So why don't we shut up and pick up the recording of the interview and you can hear our voices a bit in there, but mostly you're here to listen to Jeremy Beasley. And so let's give you the chance to do so right here and right now. Here is the interview. Who's in the chair? Who's tea talking to? Who's in the chair? Maybe veteran, maybe do. Who's in the chair? Who's in the chair? Who's in the chair? Ladies and gentlemen, we are super excited because we have got another member of the Hanshin Tigers with us today on H10 Hanshin Tigers English News. You know him really well as Bees. He's number 99. He's in the bullpen and he's getting things done for us. Jeremy Beasley, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me, Matt. Appreciate you welcome coming. And uh, let's let's throw some questions at you right now. My very first question I like to ask my guests is how they first got into baseball. So can you take us back to your roots in baseball? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, so it's crazy enough. I started playing baseball when I was four. And honestly, my brother and my sister were playing and I just kind of wanted to be just like them. And my dad loved the sport. He loved the 1995 Braves. You know, that's the year I was born. So he loved the Braves. He loves the big three, you know, uh, John Smoltz, Greg Maddox and Tom Glavin. So, of course, I, I, I wanted to be just like my dad. I want to be just like my brother and my sister. So I just followed suit, played, played every sport I possibly could. Uh, I, I, you know, it's crazy. Like uh, I played football, baseball play basketball and I wrestled too. So like I, I played as many sports as I possibly could because I, I just enjoyed, you know, I just enjoyed the camaraderie of just being around other people and enjoyed being competitive and, and it kind of worked out in the end. So it's pretty, you know, and honestly, like I said, like my dad worked really hard at when I was a kid and, and I just wanted to be just like him. So he, uh, he was a big driving factor into me playing baseball and every sport, honestly. Nice. So you mentioned a few names and you mentioned a team already, but for yourself, like who are the guys that you watched growing up um, when you, when you turned on the game and watched baseball? It's crazy enough. Like uh, I, I love the Phillies. I love the, the fighting Phils and the, you know, when I went back to back, Roy Halladay was probably my favorite pitcher I've ever watched. You know, the, the guy just picked people apart and, you know, and of course, like we don't have similar styles. I'm more of like a more of aggressive guy myself. And he just kind of like just picked everybody apart. Like it's crazy enough. Like I see a lot of guys here that do the same thing that Roy Halladay did. It's just they they corner, corner, corner. And, you know, this, stuff like that was a like, great to me. But like, of course, it wasn't my way of pitching. The, the way that I like I grew up pitching was watching like John Rocker pitch for the Braves. The guy was just an animal on the mound. So like, I wanted to be the same way. So, you know, honestly, those two guys, I would say John Rocker and and, uh, and Roy Halladay. Crazy enough. So you mentioned pitchers here and, you know, you talked about your own pitching style. Were you ever a position player? Yes. Crazy enough. I, I, uh, I was a defensive player of the year at first base in my senior year in high school. Nice. Yeah. And, and I was a career three, uh, crazy enough. I was a career 300 hitter in high school, but 
I just, I was a terrible, terrible at hitting for power. <laughs> I, I just barely hit it into the outfield. It was crazy enough. I was the biggest guy on the field and I could barely hit the ball. So when did you give up on hitting then? Was it like right after high school or how did that work? Well, I didn't have a, a, a ton of recruiting out of high school to go to college. I, I, I had a few small D2 schools and I, really my only real opportunity was to go to a junior college. So I did that and then kind of my like body caught up and I, I gained like 20 or 30 pounds within a year or two. And, and then my velocity just kept climbing, kept climbing. And then in my second year of college, my velocity got to where it was. And I actually got recruited by Clemson. And from there, like, my velocity just kept climbing each year. And then I think in my uh, junior year, I was up to 95. And the Angels took a flyer on me in the 30th round. And, and I just took it and run with it, honestly, man. Like, I, I of course, like some uh, God's luck, you know, <laughs> kind of. Uh, in my first full season, uh, a starter got hurt in, in low A, and uh, they were just like, hey, man, you want to start? And honestly, the rest is history because I went from low A to, to double A in a year. So mm. I, I, honestly, man, like this whole thing, this whole professional baseball thing has been really just lucky for me. I got very lucky. You know, like God intended me to be here. That, that's the way it feels like. You know, like God intended me to to kind of follow this path, and and I just found my way to the big leagues. Crazy enough, that's pretty awesome. And now you found yourself on, you know, arguably the most popular team in all of Japan. So that's that's pretty cool stuff, right there. Yeah, yeah. And, and listen, man, when when my agent called me and told me about this, he was like, "Hey, man, like I just want you to know, like this is the best team in Japan to play for." And I was like, "Sign me up. I'm ready to go." And he was like, "Oh, well, I thought there was going to be a little bit more pushback." He's like, "Nah, I'm." Like I'm in on this. Like I, I love, I love the game. Like I love everything about the game. I love when when other people love the game too. And you know, and the fans here do. You know, you might you might find some fans in the U.S. that are as passionate as the Tiger fans are. It's really hard to find though. Like these these fans are very passionate, and and it makes us want to play for them. Like I want to play for the Tigers. Like that I want to play for all the fans because. They, everybody's so engaged man like it, it's it's so refreshing to see as a baseball player so i could only experience the engagement of the fans from the the stands with the rest of the fans what's it like when you're standing on the mound and all around you it's like in stereo all of the singing and chanting going on you know it's crazy like in in the united states when i when i was pitching like let's say in toronto like i was always really really nervous and i always felt like there was a pressure on me that like I could not like take off, and but but here it's like initially the first game I was like oh like there's that pressure, but then as like the outing went on you know it wasn't a great outing I threw like 29 pitches and it wasn't great, but I was so nervous and and like, I, I felt that pressure but like as the game went on like I realized like oh the fans are actually behind me I'm not hearing any boos like I'm not hearing any like what is this guy doing out here like kind of thing like everybody was like behind me. And I was like, oh, okay, I can do this. Like, this is me. Like, I can do this right now. You know, especially coming after an injury, too. It's like, I was nervous about that. I was like, okay, I don't want to re-injure myself. Like, am I going to be the same guy? Like, this, this, and this. And like, I had this confidence because everybody in the whole stadium, we're talking about 45,000 people that were behind me the whole game. And it, honestly, man, I can't describe it. It, it. To me, it's a very, very, very refreshing part of the game where it makes me happy to see honestly like 
it makes me so happy to be able to walk on the mound and play for this team. Well, just I, to, I can't describe it. No, I understood. And just a side note, just as a citizen in Japan, like I'm an English teacher for, you know, that's what I do for a living, but I kind of feel the same way. Cause I don't know if you've ever met any teachers or remember your teachers, but it, te it tends to be like us, us against him or us against her, like in, in a North American classroom where the students like, how can we, how can we get under his skin or, you know, what can we get away with? And here it's not like that. It's like, they're on your side and you're on their side and it's just, it's harmony. You know what I mean? So yeah. I can kind of relate to that obviously in, my, in a different profession. Yeah. I'd like, uh, I feel like in, especially where I'm from, it's just all competition at all times. Like you're all, I'm competing against you. You're competing against me. Like who's the better, like in that sense, like who's the better student? Like, whereas here it's like, okay, well, how can we band together and figure this out? Right. You know, like how, how can we put together this team and how can we win a championship together? You know, like how, how can I help the guy beside me? Like, whereas in states, yes, you, you do the same thing, but you, you're still competing against the guy to beside you, especially right. in baseball. Like if you're in the minor leagues in baseball or you're in the big leagues, you're still competing against the guy that's sitting beside you. It's like, okay, well, he wants to be the closer. So do you. So you got to beat that guy out somehow, right? Like, yeah. But here it's like, okay, well, me and Suguru are sitting beside each other and we're not competing. We're trying to like, okay, well, how are we going to figure out how to beat these guys today? Like how are we going to beat the Giants today? Like me and KK sitting there, okay? Okay, well, how are we going to face this guy? How are we going to get him out? Like, okay, well, you know, and another thing is like, let's just say Suguru's got a better curveball or a better slider than I do. I'm like, well, I'm going to pick Suguru's brain because Suguru wants me to succeed too. You know, like, yeah. you can't describe how great these guys are as teammates. You know, I, I, and like I said, man, I can, I can only say this so many times. Like, it's extremely refreshing to be around these guys. Nice. That, I mean, that is just so, it's so good to hear. I'm really happy to hear that. That's great. Um, I want to go through your pitching arsenal. Can you take us through like what kind of different pitches you throw and what you like about it or what makes that pitch special to you or how you use it without, obviously without giving up too much of your strategy? <laughs> well, you know, I'm a straight four seam guy when it, when it comes to my four seam, it's just what I like to call bully ball. I like, I like to, I just like to, you know, be as aggressive as possible and just see how far these guys can hit it. You know, like I went through a span in 2021 after I hurt my shoulder in my debut, whereas I, I couldn't figure out how to throw a strike. Don't know why, but I just like I went from being a really good starter that, you know, threw a lot of strikes to being a reliever that didn't know how to throw strikes, but I was throwing harder. So for, for me, my fastball is just like the equalizer. And, I, and like, I'm not afraid of giving up hits. I'm not afraid of giving up home runs like. That's a part of the game, you know. But the thing is, like, I won't do is I won't be a part of me walking guys. Like, I, I like that's that's the one thing I hate more than anything is walking guys. So when it comes to my fastball, I just think about bully ball. Like, I, I want these guys to to swing as hard as they can because that just plays into how I pitch. Like, I'm going to be as aggressive as possible early, and I'm going to put you away. But it, and then that, and that comes into the splitter. The splitters. I've been throwing a splitter since I was 15 or 16. And it's kind of been the pitch that got me to the big leagues. I, I've used it and I've used it a lot. But then like I, I, when I was in minor leagues, I developed a slider that was actually a good slider. And that's the, you know, the big slider that you've probably seen that I struck Akiyama out on. And that pitch actually was new. I, I had my slider coming in 
And, and then I just lost it out of nowhere. So I had to develop a new slider last year. And crazy enough, I developed it the night before I made my first big league outing in 2022. And then I threw it, and I, I think I got like eight whiffs in two innings, crazy enough. And then I also gave up a home run to Byron Buxton on it. But I whiffed him on it the next thing, next game. So uh, the slider that I – like, you know, it's it's more of like a, a steal a strike pitch because it's so big. Like it's crazy enough. People don't realize when you see it on TV, you're like, oh, that's a big pitch. Like that's a, that's a really good moving pitch. But the thing is like hitters can see that like hitters can see it because it's different, like, especially off my fastball, my splitter, my fastball and splitter. They look the same when it's coming in. But when it comes to the slider, it's just arguably like the, the most different pitch that I have. And that's why I developed the cutter too. I developed that small cutter that I can throw anywhere from 85 to 90. So like, like it looks like my fastball coming in and then it just takes off. So like, even if it, it doesn't look big or, you know, like a good pitch, it's different than my fastball and my splitter, which most of the time I'm going to throw up. So, so I would say like, for me personally, my slider is kind of like the equalizer to my whole arsenal. Cause I, if I'm, Oh, I can just flip a slider in there. I can throw as slow as I want or as fast as I want. And guys are just going to take it. Because then they've got to look for 95, and then they've got to look for a splitter that's going at, you know, 85 to 90. So, yeah, like for me personally, like this has all been developed because of the way that I use my pitches. Because I want guys to step in the box, and I want them to be as uncomfortable as possible. Because i got to look for four pitches from a guy that's going to probably almost throw one inning. But, you know, so, so like for me personally, I want to throw everything in the strike zone too. It's all about aggression for me. Nice. That's a lot of really interesting insight. And especially like when you're talking about the slider and how it's kind of the most different pitch. And so that's probably the one that they're willing to let go by because they're probably not going to see it again, or they might see it once more, but they're definitely going to see something that's a little bit more what they're ready for. So mm -hmm. that's a really interesting addition to the arsenal then. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and for me personally, like, like I said, I, I want hitters whenever they come in the box and be like, this guy's going to come right at me. So I got to be ready for anything, you know? So it, like I said, that's what I talked about a lot in spring training is like, I want to be as aggressive to these guys as possible because these hitters are aggressive and they're going to fight and they're going to fight and they're going to fight. That's the biggest difference between Americans and these and the Japanese hitters. It's like, these guys don't strike out. They right. are aggr aggressive hitters. Nice. Um, let's go back to your time in America. And especially as I look at some of the minor league and major league rosters, and I'm seeing a lot of familiar names, so I'm, I'm going to list them off. So it might be kind of quick, but if any of these kind of like stick out as someone that you remember playing with or talking with or whatever, um, I'd love to hear just a little bit about like what you talked about, um, especially in relation to Japan. So I can see Yusei Kikuchi, Tyler Beatty. Dylan Peters, Yoshi Tsutsugo, Foster Griffin, Gosuke Kato, Rafael Dolis, Gregory Polanco, Jacob Wagesback. Did you actually play on the mm -hmm. same roster as all those guys, or was it just like happenstance that you're on the same roster and or the same team in the same year? Well, there, there's a few. I never played with Yoshi, um, but BD, I know BD, me and BD has the same agent. Uh, we never really talked much about Japan. Uh, Peters, I played with Peters, crazy enough, with the Pirates and with the Angels. He's a great guy. He's a you know phenomenal pitcher. Uh, Wags, I played with Wags with Toronto. I, I, actually, crazy enough, he lives here, uh, and we right. see each other all the time. So he, you know, he's a great guy, man. Like you, you can't beat that guy. 
He, he's a great teammate, and he's an even better pitcher. Um, let's see. Who else? Uh, Dolis. I play with Dolis a lot. He's one of my favorite teammates, man. The guy's a lot of fun. You know, he's, he's a lot of fun. So, uh, who else? Uh, Gosuke. Gosuke with the fighters. He's another great guy. He, you know, he was, uh, he was the guy that made me kind of fall in love with Japanese, like, uh, cleats. I got, I want a pair of Japanese cleats so bad because he, like, he, he had them last year. He had a pair of, uh, ASICs and he had his name in Japanese. And the, the one issue is that my foot is too big. <laughs> I can't, I can't actually get any cleats here. But, you know, like, we, we honestly, I, this was never a thought for me la, the, this time last year. So, like, we never really talked about it. I mean, Kikuchi is a great guy. And I mean, he he's an, another guy, man. It's like he's an even better teammate than he is a player. But he's he uh he worked really hard, man. Like you, he's the one of the guys that so you looked at and you're like, okay, well, like you can tell that guy has it figured out. Like, he he just you know he struggled last year, but you can see that he's putting it all together this year. Yeah. Like, the dude the dude was like always looking for you know the next step to making himself better. That's cool. That's, that's great. Uh, great stuff. As you might know, um, Dolis played with the Hanshin Tigers for several years. Did you ever yeah. hear any stories about his time in Japan? Uh, not entirely. He, he didn't speak the greatest of English, uh, right. but you know, he, he, he didn't really talk too much about it. He, he uh, so actually I was there in 21. So his first year back in the States was in 2020. So he might have, right. he probably had all the great stories for 2020. In 2020, I was with the Diamondbacks. So it never really got to talk too much about the Tigers. I just know that he was kind of like a legend here. Yeah. I mean, he had a great run for, for four seasons with the Tigers. So, yeah. Um, let's kind of bridge back. I think we talked about this a bit earlier, but what appealed to you about the opportunity to come play in Japan and to play for Hanshin uh, when you made that decision? Well, again, it was my, my agent. I, I trust my agent wholeheartedly. And he uh, he basically told me, I was like, this this team cares about its players. It cares about taking care of its players. It, it puts, you know, you know we, we have a great opportunity here. It's a great team. And, you know, they, they basically just said that they wanted me. You know, like that, that's the great thing to hear is like it, the team wants me and it wants me to do a job. You know, whereas... Before, like you, you go to a, a minor league team, it's just like, okay, well, you're you're just another guy, right? Like there's 500 more guys that can do the same job, and, and that's how you feel. Whereas here is like you feel like a priority, no matter where. Like I'm in the back of the bullpen right now because I'm still trying to, you know, prove that I'm a good pitcher to you know to the manager, and I feel very important when I'm in the bullpen. You know, I'm I'm still trying to build those blocks to to get an opportunity to be in, you know winning situations but i still feel feel very important to the team you know so it, to me uh, my, my agent really sold me on it and of course like uh, you know when i got a phone call from the team i was like yeah like I, of course i was i'm very open to this i like this is kind of one of the things that i've always wanted to do is just explore baseball around the world like you can't describe like how amazing it is here to like to whenever I tell people back home how amazing it is here, they like it, it's it's really hard to describe it. Understood. So you got to you came to Japan uh, at the end of January, I believe it was. Um, now that you've been here a few months, what were your first impressions when you landed in Japan, and maybe those first few days? 
it's clean, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, I live in Los Angeles in the off season and, and, you know, I, I, crazy enough. I like, I described Osaka as like a, a clean version of LA. Like it's, <laughs> I mean, in people also, they just, they, they mind their own business, man. It, it, it's, it's so nice to see people, people are just like, they're not bugging you. You know, of course the fans, they love you and they want to bug you, but you know, they, they kind of keep to themselves, you know? So like for, for me, like it just seemed like uh, the country is just it takes care of itself like it runs itself like it doesn't need anybody to run it for them like it, the, the the people like even like you look at kids kids walk by themselves you know you can't do that in the states they take care of everything on themselves you know so like i just feel like the the people themselves are just you know they're so willing to take care of others and help each other like kind of get throughout the day so it's i i'd, I'd say it's a you know it's a very citizen driven country, if that makes sense. Totally. No, uh, the police must have the most, you know, boring job ever because what are they yeah, doing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's another thing. The other day I saw a drunk dude in the, in the train station, he's passed out on the ground. And then like, if you do that in the States, the police, ah, you know, come on. And then the police were just like, Oh, you know, like, are you okay? You know, just try to like help the guy like, get to a chair or something. Like I've never seen that before. Like the police were just like, yeah, you know, come on, buddy. Like, like let's go. <laughs> yeah, pretty sweet. So how about um you've talked a little bit already about how enamored you are with Hanshin so far. Do you remember your first impression of Hanshin? And then the first time you stepped into Koshian Stadium, probably before the season started, what was your first impression of the ballpark as well? Well, it, it was a little cold when we got here, so we didn't actually have any grass at the time. So uh, but uh, the one thing I noticed is like it's it's massive. Like it, the field's absolutely massive. I, I don't think people realize how big that field is. It's and you know for me as a pitcher, it's like oh thank God, you know like <laughs> you hear the war stories of Jingu, and then you're just like oh thank God I pitched Koshin eighty times a year. So, uh, hey, hey, for for me like it, it's it's kind of like when you're on the field, it, it's breathtaking because there's so many seats, man. It's like it, I feel the same way in the States too. It's like you, you walk into a Yankee stadium or something and you just look up and it, everything kind of just looks painted, right? Like it looks like a portrait because it's so big. Like you just, you can't describe it because it just looks like somebody just drew it and, and you look out and you're like, Oh my God, like you, you, it's just breathtaking and you have to kind of like take it in for a second. And that, that's kind of like what me and you know BK did. It was like, we just walked out there and just like, man, like this is it. Like this is a, this is a big stadium. So like for me, it's just uh, everybody was very welcoming, even the media, the, even the media here is they're very welcoming. You know, they can be hard on you sometimes, but, you know, they want you to succeed. You know, it's better for everybody if you succeed here. You know, so I, I, I feel like the, the team itself was just that they're, they're really they really want the most out of you. And it's it, it's really nice. Cool. Um, so you were down in Okinawa for a month, and I know there were a couple of guys that came and visited spring training to kind of help out the new foreigners, Jeff Williams and Jerry Sands. Um, what was it like having them there to kind of help you out and teach you uh the A, B, and C's about uh playing for hunting? Well, I mean, it's another thing, it's like uh the, the one thing that Jeff really helped me out with was just basically getting accustomed to the culture, you know, like uh, the way that guys handle certain things. So like in the States, you you have your bullpens plan, you have your live BPs plan and stuff like that. Whereas, you know, initially, like, it's just like, uh, okay, well, I need to do a better job of planning my bullpens because Okada wants to see his pitch. He wants to throw off the mound. So, 
Like, I have to plan a better to get on the mound as much as possible to basically prove to Okada, like, hey, I got built up, I'm ready to go. And, you know, that that was hard to learn initially because Jeff wasn't there initially. And Jeff came to us and, like, told me, it was like, hey, man, like, you know, do your best, you know, do the running, do the core, do everything, like, as much as you can because you you have to win this job. Like, you, it's not given to you. Like, none of this here is given to you. So even as a right. foreigner, like, things are not given to you. So, like, I took that and I ran with it and, uh, you know, talking to KK a lot about it and and basically just learning the ropes of, like, how things are run here. It's, like, it's totally different than the States. Like, uh, like uh, they they pay attention, man. Like, they pay attention to what you're doing. And, and that, you know, again, like, it keeps you honest and keeps you on top of your things, you know. So, it's it, – it, for me, like, being around Jeff, Jeff was, like, a big help in that and just, like, basically just teaching us the ropes man like it's it, it was it was totally different than i was used to and then of course i strained my hamstring and then you know of course you can't really help it was a freak accident crazy enough like my back leg went that way when i was pitching and my front leg went that way so like then my just hamstring just gave up and and i i'm pretty sure it might have been on the third pitch of that game and i just like okay well i'm gonna get through it i'm gonna get through this inning and then we'll figure it out after but you know, initially, uh, I had to get adjusted to the mounds. The mounds are totally different. The dirt's totally different. You know, I couldn't even catch ground balls, man. Like I, I was, like I told you earlier, man. I got, I, I was a, I, I was a defensive player of the year at first base, and I can't even catch a ground ball here. So I, I had to learn how to do that, man. Like it's, it was basically just like learning how to play baseball wow. again. Interesting. <laughs> so, um. We touched on this a little bit and you've mentioned a few names, but which of your teammates would you say that you've had kind of the most interactions with in your first couple months with the team? Of, of course, KK, you know, me, me and him were right beside each other every day, uh, you know, and then again, being around Suguru a lot is, it's very helpful. Like he, he's a great time. And plus he, he he's a, he's a veteran on the team too. So we're just trying to learn from these guys, man. Like uh, I, I would say, I would say Sugru, you know, I spent most of my time in the minor leagues trying to rehab my hamstring. And there, there's a lot of great guys down there too, man. Like, uh, I'd say, I think Masashi's another great guy that I've been around. And speaking of, you know, that hopefully he's back soon. That'd be nice. You know, so, um, I, I would, I would say Sugru that I would have been around the most. I, I, I play catch with Tamita every day. So, hmm. He's another great guy. I mean, I, I like I said, the whole bullpen is just a bunch of great guys, man. Like even Kajia. Kajia is like, yeah, we talk every day. The whole bullpen talks every day. Like there's not one of us that are not a, like apart from each other. We're all just with one big unit down there. That's sweet. That's really cool. Um, so, uh, you know, we, we touched a little bit on the injury and the rehab and stuff like that. And then you got the call up. Um, how have you enjoyed your time on the top squad uh, so far? Just in a few words. Right. Yeah. Well, it's uh, it's been it's been great, man. Like we're winning. We're a great team. Like I, I just I, we will get to our full potential soon. I, I I have a great feeling. It's like it, we we're showing it, and like we'll show it in a few games, and sometimes we won't. But we're gonna catch up, and we're gonna start we're gonna start winning some ball games here real soon. We're gonna Good win boy. a lot too. Hey, we're a very talented team. That that excites myself and probably Sanjay as well. <laughs> um, 
All right, let's uh, let's end things off with a little lightning round here, so you can answer these as quickly or as detailed as you want. So here we go. Number one, what's your favorite food or your favorite meal? Here? Uh, no, in, in back Japan? home. Or, yeah. Oh well, oh back home today is crazy. Enough, there's a ramen place back home. Yeah, me home, it's so good. Wow, interesting. Crazy How about a, a Japanese food that you want to try uh, that you haven't been able to try yet? <laughs> Ooh, it's hard because we have tried a lot of Japanese food. It's tried about everything. <laughs> nice. Um, do you have a car back home or do you have a dream car? No, actually, uh, I, I've ordered a, a GMC Sierra and I got one this past off season. I've always wanted one. It's got a nice lift on it and it's it's what I've always wanted. So I'm not, I've never been like a sports car kind of guy. All right, cool. What is your favorite vacation spot uh, that you've been to so far? Well, crazy enough, I went there and got married there in Maui. Nice. Um, what do you want to see the most of anything in Japan? Like it can be a city or an event or anything like that. Like what is it that you're kind of, you can't wait to go and see or do? Yeah, it's crazy enough. I, I wish I would could, I, I would go to more temples. I want to see more temples. I want to see, you know, more castles, each place we go. Yeah, but uh, I haven't had enough time to go, but I want to see more of the temples and the castles around around the different cities that we go to. All right. What is your favorite sport outside of baseball, either to play or to watch or both? Ooh, great question. I would say it, it would be basketball or football. Do you uh, do you still play either or are you more of a spectator now? Well, since I, I tore my ligament in my knee last year, I wasn't able to do, I wasn't able to play any basketball. So <laughs> I, I, I kind of strictly stick with baseball nowadays. All right. Um, what is your, the biggest success you've had as a baseball player? Well, that's another great question. I would say playing in front of my family in the big leagues for the first time. Because, you know, in COVID, we didn't, I didn't have that opportunity. When I debuted, weren't able to be there. Um, where was that? What stadium was that at? You know, crazy enough because of COVID, we had to play in well with Toronto. We had to play in uh, Dunedin at our spring training complex in uh, Tampa. So, so <laughs> that that's actually where we played. A, I played like let's say a quarter of our games. Wow. Okay. Um, okay. Follow up question to that: What is the biggest success you've had off the field? That's an even bigger question. I'm not quite sure. I, I, honestly, I, I think it's uh, it hasn't happened yet because uh, I think it's going to be having my son. All right, good stuff. Um, what is the most ex interesting experience you've had with a fan? Interesting experience I've ever had with a fan. Uh, not quite sure. I, I mean, it, I haven't had any crazy, like weird stories with fans yet. I've been like you have guys like say, oh, you know, I signed a baby one time or something like that. I haven't had any experiences like that yet. I mean, I've signed a lot of I've signed a lot of weird stuff. I've signed phones. I've signed a lot of weird stuff, but I haven't had any like crazy, like different things happen yet. Well, maybe that's also yet to come. So we'll we'll be waiting on that. Maybe next time we talk, <laughs> you can tell a story. Um, last last question for you: Who is the best Japanese baseball player of all time in your estimation? I'd say as a pitcher, I would yeah. go Tanaka. Uh huh. And and as a hitter, you have to go Ichiro. Because he has forty two hundred hits in two different leagues. Crazy, yeah. I could, I could dig both of those answers. I'm okay with both of those for sure. 
Uh, well, Jeremy, thank you for uh, just chatting with us and being super candid and giving us some real interesting answers to these questions. Appreciate your time today and uh, wishing you all the best. Of course, we'll see you at the ballpark when we're out there and uh, we'll be cheering for you uh, from in front of our TVs as well. Thanks for your time today. You're welcome. I don't know if I thanked Jeremy Beasley at the end of that enough, but I'm going to do it again here anyways. Thank you so much, Jeremy, for joining us on fairly short notice and I should mention just briefly how I kind of came across bees because, you know, I try to reach as many players as I can, but they don't all happen in the same way. And this one was a little bit of a unique one. So I, of course, have the H10 Facebook page, which if you don't like, then you need to. Um, but <laughs> anyhow, the likes have been, you know, coming in a little bit more slowly lately. And so when I see one in my notifications, I sometimes look at who this person is or where they are, just because I'm curious, you know, are they in Europe? Are they in America? Are they in Japan? What? So I got one and I found the name. It was from Clemson, Georgia. And this was like the day after I put up the Jeremy Beasley profile um, page on H10, the website. So I was like, well, quite possibly somebody that knows Beasley, not just some random Tigers fan. Mm -hmm. So I clicked on his profile, I looked at it. He's the pastor of a church in Clemson, Georgia. And I was like, well, I don't know if Jeremy himself is a church man or not, but if a pastor in Clemson is following me because a player that is from Clemson is on the Tigers, there's a chance they know each other. So I clicked on that, on that kind of friends list. I found Jeremy. I contacted him by Facebook. I think this is the first time I've ever contacted a player via Facebook as the first shot. Usually, oh, it's really? Instagram, so it was Twitter. straight to Facebook that you went. Yes, there you go. It was Facebook came through. It is good for something, folks. So quit knocking. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's that's how we got her done. And uh, he replied to my message, and he was like, "Yeah, sure, I'd be down to do an interview." And so we figured Monday was best because it's their day off, and so Monday the twenty fourth was the day for that. So, um, Sanjay, overall impressions of the interview. I mean, what a nice guy. And he was just so open and forthcoming. And I mean, I, I seem to say this about all our players, but this guy was like a fine young man with the total perfect right attitude for wanting to play in Japan. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, like this is a guy that if you listen to this and you can't sense his enthusiasm for Japan, check your pulse because he <laughs> loves being here. Um, you know, we talked a little bit before the show. We talked a little bit afterwards as well. And I should also apologize because we did have a lightning round and uh, that is getting clipped because the reception of our call went downhill and it just wouldn't have been worth keeping in. So we can comment a little bit on some of his answers there as well, Sanjay. But, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think the interview was plenty long enough. Even without that, he came up with, you know, some good uh, answers. I love when he talked about his pitch arsenal and his approach to pitching. I thought that was really cool. Mm -hmm. um, just the way that he does it. And, you know, it was something that I guess it makes sense if you're told, you know, as a non-pitcher, if you're told this, you're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. But, you know, the fact that he's got like his his fastball and his splitter, right, that basically come in looking the same. And then the mm -hmm. slider is the only one in his arsenal that doesn't look like the other pitches at, you know, initially. Uh huh. So that's the one he says that most, more often than not, guys don't even swing at because they're not sitting on that. They're sitting on something that's coming in a little bit more straight, you know, and might drop vertically or a little bit horizontally. But, but the slider sweeps in and that's something that's so different from the rest that it's hard for players to be ready for it and to actually get good wood on it. 
Yeah, I mean, it, he's you know we said about this about BK, but the, this is also a very cerebral pitcher as well. So yeah, I mean, probably a lot of the guys are cerebral. It may not just be you know bees and BK, but um, these two guys are the two that we've been able to talk to, and they've been really like they've really given us some insights into what the pitcher thinks about as he's you know approaching certain batters or whatever it might be. Yeah, totally, and that was so so cool that to to hear from him. We should also say that Bees so far on the season has an ERA of zero. And he did mention um, in the interview that, you know, his very first mound, he was extremely nervous. And, you know, like we don't think about that a lot as fans because we see like, yeah, you know, he's a member of the Tigers. He's making a million bucks or whatever it might be. Right. We're like, he, you know, he's got it made and there's no way these guys get nervous. Come on. You know, you know, he's a big league, former big league or whatever. But the nerves still get the best of, you know, almost anybody. Yeah, and and the environment too was pretty uh, unique, right, for him. Right, he was saying that you know, like playing in front of that many fans and playing in front of that many engaged fans from start to finish was really something special, and continues to be something special. Yeah, that made me feel really good, though. That you know, I was like, we're making a difference. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and let's continue to make a difference uh, as fans. Okay, so when you get out to Koshi and you make sure that you make your voice heard. The other thing that you know he did mention, which. <clears throat> I think we take for granted in Japan is that there's not a lot of booing. You know, fans are not generally out to get you. You know, he he maybe hasn't tasted um, what Koshian has to offer when the team's on a losing streak or when he struggles. But even then, he wouldn't understand it. But nevertheless, you know, he's like, everybody's so positive and so supportive. And, you know, like, we're on the same team. And, you know, I can really feel that. And, you know, like again, I think I've said this before, like, especially post when we're coming out of the pandemic, it was like, the players have really come to appreciate the fans that much more. Not that they didn't before, but I think the fans have an awareness of that now. The fans are more aware of how thankful the players are. And Jeremy really made that clear to us. Abundantly clear, yeah. Yeah. Um, I like that he was he he took us through like some of the guys that he talks to a lot. You know, he said he talks a lot to KK, and then he said Suguru and him, you know, they're always talking about how to approach different pitchers. And like even in the bullpen, they're engaged in the game. And then mm-hmm. even like the little details, like he said, yeah, you know, my, my buddy to play catch with every day is Tomita. Mm-hmm. Said, oh, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Like, I, you know, we don't often think, well, who's he pairing up with or who does he talk with or who's he throwing to stuff like that. But that was pretty neat too. Yeah. And also the whole thing about, you know, um, that they are all trying to elevate each other as opposed to like maybe in the bigs, if you're competing with the next guy, then you don't necessarily want to give away your secrets. And, you know, it's the whole thing about, you know, you got to have wah and, you know, playing as a team rather than me first. Yeah, I love that as well. Um, and it, you know, again, it totally makes sense. And, you know, I read a book by, was it Dirk Hayhurst? I think it was. Uh, he's written a few books about his experience in the bigs. And he was like a real fringe player, made it up to the bigs a little bit, but was super nervous. And then now I think he's a uh, play by uh, color guy for the Blue Jays, something like that, or he was for a while. Anyhow, mm-hmm. uh, his stuff was really incisive about, you know, going into the the big league clubhouse and dugout and bullpen and how, yeah, you might joke around with each other, but at the same time, like you don't have anybody's back. You're you're looking out for number one because you want to mm-hmm. make sure that you're, you know, if you're at the at the very tail end of that, you know, 25 man or 40 man roster, whatever it is, you want to make sure that you're not number 41, right? Right. So you're not going to do anyone any favors. Um, yeah. 
I think that pretty much wraps it up. But I do have to say that between him and then interviewing BK about a month back and then also getting KK um, about a month, maybe a month before that, a few weeks before that, it's yep. just been a real thrill here. You know, I've gotten all three of the import pitchers on the show for you, the Hanshin Tigers fans. Looking forward to trying to get Sheldon Noisy as well. And I'm not sure how Mieses' English is, but uh, if he's up for the task, then so am I. <laughs> That's going to be a challenge. Indeed. Indeed. Well, you know, he did play in America, so he probably has spoken some English, but it just depends on how comfortable he is, right? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Sanjay, shall we wrap it up and uh, put everyone on hold until episode 174, which will be coming out sometime the week of May the 8th? I think that's the plan. Alrighty then, that's a wrap for another episode of H10. Thank you for tuning in. Once again, thank you to the bees for this interview. If you haven't gotten our fill of us, we are all over the internet. You can find us in all the places that I say at the end of every show. Um, you can also hopefully tune into some more YouTube footage if we can get around to a little bit more of that because I love doing stuff like that. I hope you like checking that stuff out as well. And I've got a daily sports column coming out hopefully within the next week. So if you want to check that out, or maybe it's already out by the time this show comes out, check it out. It's in Japanese. Oh, I should say one more thing while we're in this. Oh, dang, we're in, we're in the outro and I'm saying this. Jeremy Beasley called me out on my Canadian accent. I just realized that when I was saying out here. Oh, and, that's right. Yeah, he did. Yes, he, totally he nailed did. it. So anyways, there you go. Check it out. Anyways, all the details are in the show notes. Now I'm trying real hard to be Canadian, eh? Special thanks to Infraction for the theme music and show for mixing the pod for us. Catch you all next time. Let's go Hanshin Tigers, eh? Let's go Hanshin Tigers, eh? Are. Are. Are.